Right now, let's worship the Lord with a few choruses. Praise the Lord. His life's greatest blessings He's there to pick me up If I should fall God's presence Oh, how it thrills my being Just knowing that He's there God's presence is life's greatest blessing His life's greatest He's there to pick me up if I should fall Pick me up if I should fall God's presence, oh how it thrills my being God's presence, oh how it thrills my being Knowing that he's there is worth it all. There is worth it all. God's presence is life's greatest blessing. His presence is life's greatest blessing. He's there to pick me up if I should fall. If I should fall God's presence Oh how it thrills my being God's presence Oh how it thrills Just knowing that He's there Is worth it all He's there Is worth it all I could see this world the way you see I just know I'll serve you more faithfully I'll serve you more faithfully let me kneel with you in the garden with you Blur my eyes with tears of agony Blur my eyes with tears of <clears throat> For if once I could see this world the way you see If once I could see the world the way I just know I'll serve you more faithfully Yes, no, I'll serve you more faithfully.
Yes, Lord, touch our lives. When tears have Before we sing the other chorus, I want to refresh those who were not here last night, refresh your minds with these three articles that we wrote in Midnight Cry um, concerning judgment, and they might not relate to the present pandemic we're facing, but uh, one of the first articles, and we have these that were, they were written forever and placed at the back of the church and some people might have read them some people might not think it's well it's written by brother singh so it's not important um but <clears throat> trust me in saying things like that right uh, but um what god gives us locally is very important for our salvation i might not spend a lot of time telling you the details of uh, what it takes to be in the first resurrection or how many stages they have um, for the kingdom of God or things like that. I find it's more beneficial for me to talk to you of, uh, as to how we need to improve our life and relationship with God. Amen. Uh, having a knowledge of Genesis to Revelation and quoting every single verse from memory will not put you in the kingdom of God. How you live today and how you deal with the crisis in your life and your present day is what I am concerned about. As your pastor, that's my main concern. If there's hypocrisy, then you need to address it. And if there are things in your life that you know are not right, you need to deal with that. When we look at the world, we see a world out here 
Uh, we can call it a Babylon, spiritual Babylon, because it comprises of um, the civil government, it comprises of uh, commercial enterprises, and it comprises of false religion, which includes a great number of Christian churches and denominations. When we live in this world, we'd have to know how to do, live in this world without allowing the world to get into our lives. Someone said one time, I looked for the church and found it in the world. And when I looked for the world, I found it in the church. Very good suggestive statement. And uh, so we wrote these articles and one says musing on judgment, which means you're thinking about why did this judgment come? Why did God cause a judgment in any particular judgment? The second one was ignoring judgment. Well, you're going through a trial, but you prefer the doctor to find out the reason rather than find out why God is allowing this trial to come in your life. So you should not ignore judgment. So these are beautiful articles. And the third one is Christian attitude to judgment. And I say Christian attitude because our attitude is everything. How we deal with situations. Your attitude is everything. Years ago, I passed out a book uh, that was titled, I don't pass out a lot of books. Because when I read, uh, when I try to analyze who wrote the book and what their doctrines are and what their purpose for writing a book is, it is important that I analyze that before I pass on the material just in case Hymenaeus or Philetus wrote one, and that's the book I'm passing out to my church. And <clears throat> some of these things we'll deal with as God helps us because when it tells us in the book of Revelation, she had in her cup, uh, uh, the, uh, cup she had in her hand a cup filled with the wine of her fornication. The wine of her fornication is a lot of things that's involved in the world out here. And what is more dangerous for you and I is what is involved in the Christian world out here. Now, I don't have a problem with any minister out there uh, preaching whatever they want to preach. Uh, every man must do what a man is called to do. Even the devil has a responsibility. I can't stop the devil. He's got a job to do. I can't stop the Pope. He's got a job to do. I can't stop things that are happening in the world Everyone has a, a plan and a purpose in their life for whatever evil or good. And the same thing, I cannot stop what God allows in my life to come into my life, whether negative or positive. But I must be able to analyze why is this happening to me? Why is my situation so negative? Why it seems like only me it's happening to? Well, if you're a child of God, whom he loves, he chastises. And so when I'm thinking here today that we want to be praying for Brother Vid, Brother Vid is in Rochester, and that's why we're specifically directing this little time to concentrate on that because he'll be going in for surgery, a procedure on Thursday, and no one is allowed to go in with him. And uh, they are situations. You see, I would sit down and wonder, why, Lord? Why is it that I'm alone going in? Couldn't we choose another time in the year or in the, in the time in, the, uh, in our lives? But God has a time and season for everything. Uh, when you ha hit a rock-hard situation, God has allowed that to happen for a reason. 
And that is why we cannot ignore judgment. And we must have a, be able to muse over judgment, think about it, consider it, and then have a right attitude to judgment. That is what Jude meant when he said, uh, not Jude, James, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. That is why Paul says, I, I, I find pleasure in mine infirmities. Because Paul understood what the situation was in his life. And so today, we'll be praying for Brother Vid, but before we do that, I want us to sing this chorus. And I want us to believe as we sing that God can work a miracle. And uh, when we're finished singing, I will pray. And I want this entire congregation here and every one of you following me on Facebook today to join with me. I don't want loudness. I want sincerity and faith. It's not how loud we pray. It's how sincere we are and how much we believe God. Amen. So we'll sing this course and then we'll go ahead with the service. In the making, one just for you the is working even now. Praise the Lord. Been heard, and the answer's on its way. There's a miracle in the making for you each day. I'm sure Brother Fid is listening to this. I want him to believe the Lord right now as we are about to pray. In the making, one just for you, the Master is working even now. Oh, yes, Lord. And the answer's on its way. a miracle in the making for you each day. We sing it one more time. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. It's a miracle in the making. One just for you. The Father is working even now. Prayer has been heard, the answer's on its way. There's a miracle in the making for you. Our Father, we come before you today. Because we believe that you are a God that's compassionate. You're a God that's patient. You're a God that never errs in judgment. But Father, more than all, you're a God that answers prayer. 
We are your children, Father, to the very best we can do it. And today, in a special way, Father, we bring Brother Fid and his situation before you. Lord, we have seen you move tumors. We have seen you move cancers. We have seen you remove lumps, O Father, from our bodies. And we pray whatever this problem Brother Fid has, that he'd have to go for surgery. Lord, we pray even now, we believe you, that you would, O Lord, remove this tumor, whatever it is, Father, that's posing a problem. Remove it, Father. We ask in the name of your Son that you'd please have mercy on Brother Ved and this situation and the family and the church and answer this prayer. Lord, we ask, we beseech you today, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. We pray, Father, that you remove all unbelief and doubt and give Brother Vid that faith and confidence to believe you, Father. God, even right now, we pray you'll strengthen his faith. Lord, and if it is not your will to heal him and to remove this miraculously, Father, as you have done so many times, we want to have the right attitude, Father, not to lose faith or confidence, but you work at all things and you never err in judgment. The God we commit him and this entire procedure before you. At this time, Father, we also remember every assembly in the body of Christ. Every assembly that someone, any, any one of the assemblies that's affected by a disease or a sickness or even COVID-19, we pray, Father, that you'll have mercy on your people and heal our people. Lord, please forgive us where we have erred, Lord, and we as a fellowship, we have failed thee in many areas, O oh God, but you're a God of mercy. And we pray today that you'll have mercy on us and forgive us. Cleanse us, Lord. Touch each assembly. Touch each pastor, we pray today. Each member in every single church, we ask, Father, that you'll please show mercy. And help us, we ask. In Jesus' wonderful name, we praise and give thee thanks. All for your honor and glory. And we praise you, Father. Amen and amen and amen. All of these messages that we have and we are um, doing online, uh, most of these messages could be, could be at your disposal. Uh, if you want to go on Facebook and find it on our site, you'll find it there. But it's a very nice setting that Brother Joe McCormick has. And if you go on his Facebook, Facebook page, you will find, uh, uh, you know, one of those nice pictures of myself. We can't use a lot because a lot don't look good. But we have a nice picture of myself and it says, My Gospel. And you can log into that and it gives you the possibility of being able to listen to that message on Spotify, which is an app, or Anchor. And uh, both companies are working together. One owns the other section. And uh, it might give you instructions how you can download Spotify, and then you can have that on your cell phone and listen to me preach all the time. As you walk down the road, you can put it on, and sometimes it wears your battery out. But uh, we have the messages available, 
And I really feel that God has used the, this pulpit here to promote a lot of things that he wants us to be acquainted with. Last night we dealt with some very important areas of the Word of God which shows us that sin has consequences and everyone that transgresses God's law, uh, there are consequences to transgressing God's law. We're all, there's this common thing in the body of Christ that we all hope to reach and attain to and that is called the Bride of Christ. Uh, I, we sing songs uh, that says, Oh Lord, I want to be in the first resurrection. And it is my desire to be in the first resurrection. Uh, Paul said, he said uh, after he was writing to the church, uh, when, while he was writing to the church at Philippi, he said, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now the high calling of God, it's the highest level of rewards that God can give to his people. And we see that, we have interpreted that to mean that it, the high calling is to be in the bride of Christ. And here in Revelation chapter 14, it gives us a little glimpse as to what it takes to be in the bride of Christ. You know, when I was a young man growing up, we uh, had our education coming from England. And uh, I think the name of the gentleman that did most of the stuff that was sent from England, his name was Cuttridge, uh, something like that. And we had a lot of stories sent to us. We had a little stories, Aesop, Aesop fables. Um, hey diddle diddle, the cat and the fiddle, the cow jump over the moon. That kind of stuff. And we as young men growing up, we, we recited that. No cow would ever jump over even a fence, much more the moon. Uh, scientists were not smart enough to send rockets into space, but Cuttridge... He had a cow jump over the moon. We see, that's how we were brought up. There was an old woman that lived in a shoe. She had so many children. She did. How can an old woman live in a shoe? Three blind mice, see how they run. They all run up to the farmer's wife who cut off their tails with a carbon knife. You know, we have all of these fables. But you know what it did for us? It helped us to identify fables and fiction from reality. It did not hurt me. Today, when I look at something and I see it, I know if it's attainable, if it's impossible, if it's a fake, if it's a fiction. We live in a world where everyone, we believe in a lot of fiction and fantasies. I've gone to a funeral not so long ago and uh, there's a casket lying in front and they and the preacher says, and I was not officiating, I was just listening to that, and the preacher said, he says, we don't, all you people that are here, that's family and relatives, don't worry. This person has gone to a better place. It's gone to be with the Lord. Well, if I had walked up to that pastor afterwards and asked him if he wants to go soon to that better place, his answer would be no. Because it's a fiction. Death is real. Death is real. 
Debt robs you of your family and friends. The only time debt poses a benefit is when you are sick and decrepit and have a lot of pains. Then debt comes as a release. But when your seven-year-old or eight-year-old or 15-year-old child dies, don't tell me they're gone to a better place. They're dead. And we're looking forward for the resurrection of the dead. It's a reality. And that is what scripture really says. I went to another funeral and the pastor, he got up and he was reading from 1 Corinthians 15 and he went down the line and he says, he says, and it shall be, he says, um, this mortal shall put on immortality and this corruption shall put on incorruption. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that death is swallowed up in victory. He left that verse out, then shall be brought to pass. See, Paul says, when this corruption shall put on incorruption and when this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sing? Well, the man presumptuously skipped that verse. And he says, we'll put on incorruption. Uh, we'll put on immortality. And then we'll turn back and say, oh, grave, where is, oh, death, where is thy sting? And oh, grave, where is thy victory? You can't say that now. Death has a sting right now and the grave has victory right now. It is the resurrection that brings us free. Uh, from that bondage. And so, among the many fictitious things, we have to understand, as a child of God, I must be able to see reality. Everybody say reality. Yeah. You see, if you know the truth, that is reality. Whether it's truth about yourself, a truth about the Bible, a truth about the life you're living, or truth about the world, we will believe less in fantasies. And so when I look at Revelation 14, I see a job here that I wonder how many of us will reach this even though we're striving for it. It says here in Revelation 14, John says, I looked and lo, lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having the Father's nature, Father's mentality written in, 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 not on, in their forehead. It means they think like God. I'm the pastor. And today, after preaching for so many years, there's a lot of things I think. I think I can think like God. And when I compare all my thoughts where I think like God, I think maybe it might be uh, maybe 2%. Most of the day, I think like myself. And to get the mind of the Father in every judgment, what do we do? How long we run the service? What do I preach? What do we sing? Where do I go next? To have the mind of the Father, Jesus had the mind of the Father. He said in, in the Gospel of John, He says, I come not to do mine own will, but the will of my Father. He says, as I see the Father and I hear from Him, I speak. I can't say that. I hope I can reach to that place. Well, if you think that is hard to attain, so let's read some more. It says here, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. 
And I heard a voice of harpers harping with their harps. Uh, these are all parabolic and symbolic. The book of Revelation has a lot of symbols in. And then it comes down here and it says this hundred and forty and four thousand, uh, as it were, they had a new name. They sung as it were a new song before the throne. They are in heaven. They are before the throne of the Lord and before the four beasts and the elders. There's this, this group of individuals that they're singing, 140 and 4,000 having the Father's name written in their forehead. Now, if I were to calculate, someone did the calculation for me, 140 and 4,000 in comparison to the people that lived on this planet over the past years that we assume man has lived on this earth, it said it is less than 1% of 1%. Far less than that. I'm giving you a big number of mankind. And so when we think of the bride of Christ, we're not thinking everybody going up to rule and reign with Christ. No, sir. A doctrine that says the entire church goes up and rules and reigns with Christ is false doctrine. It's a misconception. And the Lord must select from Adam's body, from the body, the church, a rib that he forms and he makes overcomers of that will give Christ as his bride. So from the body of Christ, there is a selection made. And it is the body of Christ is already a selection in the world. And from the selected group in the world, there is a selection made from that selection. And it says here in verse 4, These are they uh, that are, were not defiled with women. And last night I mentioned in Revelation 17, it talks about this great whore that sitteth upon many waters. It speaks of false religion. Uh, this woman that's titled Babylon, mystery religion, the mother of harlots. She's not only mama, but she has harlot daughters. And she has in her cup a golden cup in her hand filled with the wine of her fornication. And if we understand this woman riding on civil government, it's false religion interwoven with civil government that controls everything that we can think of, <clears throat> like e economy, uh, sports world, the entertaining world, everything that's going on. It's an interwoven relationship. So as a child of God, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He said, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He did not pray for a religious amalgamation with the rest of the world. Even though religion must carry, be carried on in the rest of the world, Jesus prayed for a, a, a spiritual sanctification of his disciples from society. Now you and I are living in this world. We get our jobs in the world. We need the bank and the money in this world. We occupy so many things in this world. Well, there, there is so much that the devil has provided and there's so much that is perverted that is provided for the world that the child of God must be sanctified from. And this woman and her harlot daughters are all the denominations that came out of apostate Christianity or Latin Christianity or Rome. Whether it be one denomination after the other denomination, all of these harlot daughters has come out from Rome. And one of the greatest dangers for the body of Christ is when we latch on to the wine 
of our fornication because it's offering us a better message to preach. We're God's children, and sometimes I wish all the copies of the Bible vanished. So men of God can get on their knees and pray and seek God to offer the people direction this time. We latch on to everything. We go to their colleges. We go to their universities. I'm not talking academically. I'm talking about religious education. We can't go into the wilderness and let God, like he did in John the Baptist or he did to the early church apostles, teach us. We are contaminated with the wine of our fornication. If I understand right, the words of the works of Hymenaeus should not be in my library. What do you think? Paul says Hymenaeus and Philetus do err, teaching one false doctrine. That a resurrection is past. Here am I asking a question. What do we have in our libraries? Do we have authors that we should not recommend to individuals because 90% of their doctrines were wrong? Well, the main thing that should concern us here as children of God is what are their standards of holiness? Do they pray? Are we the absolute? And so when we weigh these things, there should be the bride of Christ would have no contamination with the harlot system of this world. These are, were not defiled with women, number verse 4. For they are virgins. God takes a contaminated child of God. He takes a beggar from the dunghill, brings you into the church, not to contaminate the church. See, you can come from the dunghill... Listen to me carefully. You can come from the dunghill and have some dung still in your pocket. You can come from Egypt where they prayed to golden calves and when you come into the wilderness you miss mama. God brought you out of Egypt like we like to say bring us out of Babylon but do you miss mama? Well, when Moses went up into the mountain, Israel missed Mama. And he told Aaron, Aaron needed to have some lessons in life. Aaron needed to go into the wilderness for 30, 40 years himself. But he didn't go. He also had Mama in his heart. It's so nice to see you got your mouth strapped up. Can you speak? Aaron was the instrument that brought this whole operation of uh, setting up a golden calf in the wilderness. He organized that. He collected the gold from the people. He spearheaded that, uh, uh, that form of idolatry. Israel had a problem because when God did something at one time, they always went back to that. See, there was a time Jacob saw God. Uh, he had a vision when he was at Bethel. You remember? Saw a ladder coming from God up and down and angels uh, moving up and down. And he said, this is a terrible place. This is none other than the house of God and the gate to heaven. He called the place Bethel. But not because God was there one time. God will always be there. Jeroboam, 
put golden calves at Bethel, hoping to catch the people to worship. And did he caught them? Yes, he did. People are gullible. We must serve God based on what God demands of us today. We cannot go back to the past. The past is gone. My whole Bible has the past. But I could not copy David's life and his lifestyle. I'd copy his ways that were honored by God. I can't even follow Paul. I must copy his ways that were honored by God. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I want this assembly to understand that you should follow me and my ways that be in Christ only. And if some of you do take my example, this would be a better church. Are you all listening to me? And so, when we understand the bride of Christ here, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. That beggar from the dunghill is transformed no more as a beggar with a beggar's mentality. God transforms him. We don't need a reformation. We need a transformation. Paul said that in Romans the 12th chapter. And we must have that working in our lives. A complete changeover. To transform means a complete changeover. That's what conversion is. And he goes on, he says, These are they which follow the Lamb. Or they follow the organization. Or they follow their own desires. See, if everyone wakes up in the morning and think about the lamb and what will the lamb want me to do, we'd have less rebellion in the church. But a lot of times when the preacher himself tells you what he wants to tell you, it might not even be what the lamb wants you to hear. Today, pastoring has become a profession and an occupation with a pension in most churches, a pension to offer the preacher at regular salary. In the early church, they did not lodge down. The apostles went from city to city. And so when we look at this, we have to figure out how easy it is to be in the bride of Christ. Well, I'm going to be in the bride of Christ. Well, are you full of the devil? Are you full of the flesh? Are you full of the world? Then get close to God so you can strive to be in that position. Paul says, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press. We ought to press. Can't stay home and serve the Lord when you want. Now follow the Lamb, whether it's Wednesday night, whether it's Saturday night, whether it's Sunday, follow the Lamb. I can't force you. But your actions determine, uh, helps me to assess if you're really following the Lamb or you're following yourself or you're following the job or you're following something else. You must do what you feel inclined to do. Not everybody's going to be in the Bride of Christ. And that is why we have hope in the final resurrection. And it goes down here and it says, <clears throat> They follow the Lamb with us wherever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. They're going to be the first fruits. 
Uh, when the resurrection happens, it's the first ones that resurrect prior to the thousand years reign of Christ. A first and second phase of the first resurrection comes up. We don't have time to get into all the details, of course, my speculations on that, but it says here in verse uh, 5, everybody read with me here, in their mouth is full of jokes, dirty jokes, full of gossip, full of false doctrine, full, full of frivolity. Now, in their mouth is no guile. And I'm so glad for COVID-19. I'm sad for individuals that are suffering, but I'm glad for COVID-19 because it shows who's in charge. Amen. The government is not in charge. The financial institutions are not in charge. The sports arena are not in charge. The political offices, nowhere, nobody's in charge, even the church. And it is so strange that when this pandemic come, the Lord shut all our mouths up putting masks on. You know, when I look at judgment, I need to ponder it. I need to consider why is this happening? What is God telling me? Maybe my yapping is too much and I need to yap less and trust God some more. I don't care what the doctor says. I believe we can trust God some more and believe God. And it goes on here. He says they're without fault. And in the mouth is found no guile for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now you can try, strive to be like that. And if you strive and God helps you and you come to that place, you'll be in the bride of Christ. If you don't have there any possibility of overcoming and you want to just serve God at your convenience? You think it's Raba, Gospel Assembly Raba Church. 24 hours convenience store. You can't serve God at your convenience. You've got to serve God according to the demands of discipleship that he has decreed for us to serve him. Whether it's Isaiah or Jeremiah or Jesus or Paul, if one of those early church apostles stepped into and see what we call church today, if any one of the martyrs of Hebrews 11 come on in and see what we're calling church, and I'm suffering, you know, but he's saying, I'm suffering, I had to walk one mile. We don't know what suffering is about. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying? And so, we are to follow the Lamb. Discipleship is still demanded today. And I should not find a reason not to. A reason someone says is a lie, uh, excuse is a lie, someone says stuffed in the skin of a reason. You see, I live on the same planet you're living. And in my life over the past 40 years living in Canada, I find a reason to do the work of God rather than a reason not to. I find a reason to come to church than find a reason to cop out. I find when, when, when a reason, 
When it says, well, the doctor says you shouldn't go. No, no, sickness does not keep me home. In 40 years, I missed three services because I was sick. And here is my conclusion to all of this. When this pandemic is over, if the saints have not repented, and the saints have not changed their attitude, the pandemic will not leave. And if it does, a worse is yet to come. Because the church is what God sees as important in a world that's full of ungodliness. That God is not judging this world because this city, because of the government bad and the homosexuals and the, and the immoral people are all bad people. No, no, no. He's judging this city because you and I have not measured up to what God wants. And that is why if my people, which are called by my name, God says, when I send a pestilence and destruction in the land, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways. And he was talking to Israel, his own people that did that, much more you and I that are grafted onto this true olive branch. May God help us to examine ourselves and not to continue the way we have always done, but to find a better way and a closer dedication to serve God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day for another day in your house. We appreciate, Father, these lessons and these instructions that you're giving, you're giving to every one of us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that in spite of the pandemic and the pestilence that's in the land, that you're still, still given us an opportunity that we can be in church and represent your work, O oh God. Help us to be faithful. Those that are struggling with faithfulness, I pray you'll help us, Father, because it's not by might, human might, it's not by power, human power or genius, but it's by your spirit. So please give us more of your spirit, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen and God bless you.